0: Questions to the Prime Minister, John Lamont. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. Question number one.
1: The Prime Minister. Mr. Mr. Speaker, I'm sure members across the whole House are always pleased when young people take an interest in and attend the proceedings of this chamber, such as those from Fitzwarren School today. I'm sure members from across the House will want to join me in sending my very best wishes. To my honourable friend, the Minister for the Constitution, and her husband, Sandy, on the birth of their daughter, Rosamond. Yeah. Mr. Speaker, may I also congratulate everyone who took part in the London Marathon on Sunday, yeah. including members of this House, parliamentary staff, and lobby journalists. And I would particularly like to congratulate my parliamentary private yeah. secretary. The Honourable Member for West Aberdeen, and Cardin, who completed the marathon with the fastest time of any Member of Parliament. <laughs> Mr. Speaker. <laughs> and no and just and just just for those who are suggesting otherwise, no, I wasn't chasing him at the time. <laughs> Mr. Speaker. This morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today.
2: John uh, I associate myself with the comments of the Prime Minister. And I, 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 I promise to train much harder for next year. Um, on this day in 1707, Scotland and England came together to form the United Kingdom. Oh, yeah. Does the Prime Minister agree with me that this union has served our country country well and most people in Scotland agree with that? And does she further agree with me that rather than obsessing with independence, Nicola Sturgeon should get on with the day job and end her neglect of Scotland's NHS,
1: schools, and the economy? Prime Minister! First of all first of all can I congratulate my honorable friend for running the London marathon and also for all the money that he raised for Marie Curie uh, on his uh, on his run and can I thank him for highlighting this anniversary I'm sure all members across this house will want to join me in marking this anniversary because it is and he is absolutely right that under the SNP under the SNP in government in Scotland what we're seeing is public services getting worse because the SNP the SNP are focusing are focusing on holding another independence referendum. As my hon. Friend says, it is time the SNP stopped ignoring those millions of Scots who do not want another independence referendum and got on with the day job and focused on the issues that matter to people like schools and the economy.
2: Thank you, Mr Speaker I join the Prime Minister in congratulating all those who ran the London marathon and I think the shadow health secretary getting a personal best shows just how fit the Labour health team is. <laughs> uh, Mr Speaker can I take this opportunity to wish to wish the house and people across the country a very happy May Day on International Workers Day. Tomorrow, Mr Speaker, many people across England will go to the polls to vote in local elections. For many people, the government has delivered nothing but failure. On her first day in office, the Prime Minister promised to fight against the burning social injustices that plague our society. Yesterday, an independent government body confirmed that inequality is entrenched in our society from birth to to work, can the Prime Minister now admit that her government has completely failed to take action to
1: tackle the burning injustices?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Prime Minister,
1: can I, can I first of all say to the right honourable gentleman, I am very sorry that he didn't uh, take the opportunity when he stood up to welcome the anniversary of the union yeah. between Scotland and England. Yeah. I think I, I have to say, <laughs> I, uh, I. I have to say I think it's the first time he hasn't welcomed or congratulated a union in this uh, in this house. He asked about the question. He asked the question about he asked the question about social mobility. And can I say to the uh, right honourable gentleman, uh, uh, can I remind him of what Dame Martina said in the social mobility commission uh, said yesterday in relation to his report? My sense is there is a real commitment in government to try to make a difference in this area. I want, everyone, I want everyone to have the opportunity to reach their potential, whatever their background. And that's why we're improving education, we're uh, ensuring to, we're helping to create higher paid jobs, we're boosting home ownership. But what would the Right Honourable Gentlemen's Party offer young people? Failed policies, broken promises and piles of debt just a millstone around their neck. Jeremy Corbyn! The
2: reality is social mobility is going backwards and things are getting worse under this government. I'll give you an example. Life expectancy in Britain is falling for the first time since 1945. Where does the Prime Minister think this government has gone wrong? when we've reached the point where people now expect to live shorter lives than they did in the past.
1: Prime Minister! Can I say to the uh, right honourable gentleman that, first of all, that it is not the case that people are now uh, expecting to live shorter lives than they have done in the future. Uh, It is the case, it is the case... No? No? What we have been doing is ensuring that we are providing for people at every stage of their lives and for young people, particularly today, ensuring that they have the opportunities to lead those full and healthy lives into the future. That's why all the actions we're taking across the board in ensuring there are jobs for people, ensuring those jobs are better paid, ensuring people have an encouragement to get into the workplace, and ensuring we provide for them through not just the welfare system but also our long term plan for the National Health Service at every stage. Age of life, we are ensuring that we, as Conservatives, are improving people's lives and in so many of those areas, that right Honourable, the Right Honourable Gentleman has done nothing but vote against the policies this Conservative Government has
2: produced. Speaker, life expectancy has fallen by six months. Infant mortality is rising and up. Yes. This month, we have also learnt that a record 1.6 million food parcels were given out last year alone. Under this government, things are getting worse. Does the Prime Minister agree with her Secretary of State that it's the policies of this government that has meant that in one of the richest countries on this earth, food banks are now handing out 14 million meals a year to people, some of whom are in work, who simply haven't got enough to eat?
1: (laughs) Minister! The best the best route out of poverty for people. At early stage,
0: the question has been put and the answer from the Prime Minister must be heard. The Prime Minister
1: the best route out of poverty for people is to be in the workplace we want to ensure that we are seeing more better paid jobs being created for people in this country and that's what we're seeing under this government we see record numbers of people in employment we see wages rising for the, the uh, real wages rising for the first time in a decade and we see that this government is taking decisions that are helping people to keep more money in their pockets Tax cuts for 32 million people, an increase in the national living wage, freezing fuel duty. All of these have been of major benefit to people. And what did the right honourable gentleman do? On fuel duty freezes, on tax cuts, he's voted against them over a dozen times.
2: Jeremy Corbyn. Mr Speaker, many of those people receiving food parcels, which has increased by 600,000 in four years, are actually people in work because of the low wages they're on and indeed the frozen wages for many over the past 10 years even our own secretary of state admitted that universal credit has caused people to rely on food banks the number of older people now not getting the care they desperately need has risen to 1.4 million think of that 1.4 million people in need of social care things are getting worse Does the Prime Minister agree with Labour's plan to properly fund social care or with her former deputy, who wants to tax the over-50s and take away their benefits?
1: Prime Minister! As I have said on a number of occasions in this House, we agree that we do need to ensure there is a sustainable long-term future for social care and we'll be bringing forward proposals in relation to that. We have given councils We have given councils access to nearly £4 billion more for adult social care this year. That means a 9% increase in real terms in funding for adult social care between 2015-16 and 2019-20 but it's not just about the funding that goes into social care it's also about ensuring oh no lots of labor members say oh yes it is actually no it's about ensuring that best practice is seen across local authorities and nhs trusts and that's why this isn't just this isn't just about funding for social care for local authorities. It's also about our long-term plan for the National Health Service. The biggest cash boost in the National Health Service's history, stability for the NHS, improving social care, providing for people in their old age.
2: Jeremy Corby. Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister seems to have a head in the sand. The reality is that seven billion has been cut from adult social care since 2010, a system teetering on the brink of collapse as care companies go into administration, and the stress on the residents of those homes and their families is unbelievable. We need a serious strategy that ensures people get the social care they need when they need it. Under this government, Mr Speaker, things are getting worse on our streets too. Violent crime is up by 19%. Robbery is up by 18%. Knife crime at the highest level on record and 2.3 million criminal investigations closed because the police were unable to identify a suspect, I believe because they have insufficient staff to do it. Does the Prime Minister accept that there is a violent crime epidemic that has arisen on her watch and is tearing our communities and our families apart? It has to be addressed by investment in our communities.
1: Prime Minister Can I I first of all say to the right hon. Gentleman, because he made a reference in relation to care companies at the beginning of his uh, question, uh, with a a suggestion that this was a worrying time for all those who are in the uh, provisions that are provided by those care companies. Of course it is a concerning time for them and their families, and for the employees of the company concerned. I think he's referring to Four Seasons. The Care Quality Commission is absolutely clear that there is no risk of service disruption at this time. And there should never be a gap, never be a gap in care for an individual. Uh, That's because of the 2014 Care Act, introduced under Conservatives in Government, which places a duty on local authorities to intervene to protect individuals where their provider is unable to carry on care because of business failure. Uh, He then went on to talk about the issue of crime. And can I say to the right hon. Gentleman, first of all, what we do see is that overall, under the crime survey, actually crime is down by a third. Uh, uh, He quotes the figures from police-recorded crime. He has actually been hauled up. I think, by the National Statistics Authority previously for failing to quote the crime survey and for only quoting the police-recorded crime. He talks about more money being available to police. There is around £1 billion more money available to the police this year. Police and Crime Commissioners plan to recruit 3,000 more police officers. But what do we also need to do to tackle knife crime and to tackle serious violence? And yes, we are concerned about it. That's why we've brought forward the serious violence strategy. We also need to ensure that we're dealing with drug crime. We also need to ensure that we're turning young people away from violence and ensuring that police and others have the powers to do their jobs. So I'm sorry, to, I have to say to the Right Honourable Gentleman, I'll take no lectures on this from somebody who voted against more money for the police and voted against tougher, tougher laws on knife crime because that's not helping the police or our citizens. Jeremy Corby. Well, Mr Speaker. Maybe
2: she, if she doesn't believe me, she can believe her own Home Secretary. He said in March, serious violence is on the rise, communities are being torn apart and families are losing their children. 21,000 less police officers is a pretty obvious connection There's likely to be a rise in crime and disorder as a result of it. Mr Speaker, under this government, things in this country are getting worse. Their cuts and incompetence have left communities struggling and pushed public services into crisis. They've cut council budgets by 50%. Poverty is up, waiting times are up, violent crime is up, all under a government that seems to care more about pushing its very damaging austerity agenda than tackling the burning social injustices. Ahead of tomorrow's elections in England, can the Prime Minister explain... Can she explain why from social care to crime, from life expectancy to poverty, things are getting worse under her government? Yeah.
1: Prime Minister, The biggest cash boost to the NHS in its history under this Conservative government. More people in work than ever before. More children in good and outstanding schools getting the opportunities for their futures. And what do we see from Conservative councils up and down the country? Conservative councils give better services, they recycle more, they fix more potholes, and they charge lower taxes. A vote for Labour is a vote for mismanagement, worse services, and higher taxes. It's Conservative councils that give better services and charge you less.
0: Thank you yeah, Mr Speaker. Would the Prime Minister confirm her support for Transport
2: for the North strategic transport plan which would help create an additional 850,000 jobs and £100 billion of economic growth by 2050
0: by connecting the key cities of the North through Northern Powerhouse Rail and improving key trunk roads such as the A64 which runs through the beautiful and economically stifled constituency of Thursk and Malton.) Yeah.
1: Prime Minister I agree with my honourable friend about the importance of transport for the North. We are giving the great towns and cities and counties of the North more say over transport investment through Transport for the North, enabling the North to speak with one voice on its vision for transport over the next 30 years. They have made significant progress in uh, finalising their strategic transport plan, and I welcome that and we are committed to reversing decades of underinvestment in northern transport and will have invested a record 13 billion in the region by 2020. Uh, In regards to the A64 that my hon. Friend raises, I understand Highways England have undertaken considerable work on the performance of the A64, and that will inform decisions that they will be taking on strategic road investments in the next period, between 2020 and 2025, as part of the second road investment strategy, Uh, but I am sure they will have heard the uh, passionate plea from my hon. Friend for his constituency.
0: Ian Blackford. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Scotland's First Minister has pledged to match free EU student fees through to 2021. Will the Prime Minister follow this example, or is she determined to build a bigger, hostile environment? Minister!
1: We have made clear about the position for EU students in this year, and we will make uh, the uh, announcements in good time for students for future years, but I think I am right in saying. uh, What the Scottish Government has actually done is said that EU students can have free tuition up to 2024, but English students will have to pay. Ian Blackford.
0: Quite, Quite remarkable, Mr Speaker, because it's the Tories that have introduced fees for English students. Mr Speaker, when it comes to leaving the EU, the Prime Minister's vision is blinded by ideology. In a no deal, in no-deal, our government intends to curb EU student visas to three years. Mr. Speaker, Scottish university courses are generally for four years. The Scottish Government and Scottish universities have asked repeatedly for this simple change to be made to reflect our circumstances. Will the Prime Minister confirm today that her government will extend visas to four years to allow for Scottish university students or will she once again completely ignore the wishes in the interest of Scotland as she has done right through this whole shambolic
1: Brexit process? minister I say to the right honorable Gentleman, i understand yes, that the situation is not quite the, uh, as problematic for those <laughs> students as he sets out given the ability to convert visas but he started off his question by saying that the government should not be driven by ideology, this is from the SNP. <laughs> <laughs> the SNP. If the SNP are worried, if the SNP are worried about students in Scottish universities, they need to ensure that they are spending more time improving the quality of education in Scotland and less time obsessing about independence.
0: Call Master Turn. Thank you, Mr. Thank you. A number of faith leaders and individuals across East Remshire particularly from the Catholic community, have raised concerns about recent changes to the immigration rules for preachers coming to the UK yeah, on yeah. short-term <coughs> supply placements. Uh, the new Tier 2 visa routes double the cost, making it unaffordable for many parishes. Given the huge benefits to congregations and wider communities derived from these placements, can the Prime Minister look again
2: to make sure we are not putting unnecessary barriers into continuing these long-standing and very positive placement yeah. opportunities? Yeah. Prime
1: Minister well, first, of all, first of all, can I agree with my hon. Friend in recognising the very valuable part ministers of religion from all faiths play in their local communities? and We want to continue to be able to welcome those who want to come to the UK in accordance with our immigration rules. I understand that, the, uh, uh, as part of their extensive programme of engagement, around the future borders and immigration system. The Home Office will be talking to representatives of a range of faith and community groups, and those discussions will include the future visa arrangements for Ministers of Religion. Dr Paul William. Uh, Thank you, Mr Speaker. Uh, Mr Speaker, last week in a public
0: meeting
2: in Stockton South, I heard a community fed up with rising levels of crime and antisocial behaviour. I heard about a lady in her 90s, terrified in her own home, and residents in another part of my constituency have taken to carrying out their own street patrols. Cleveland Police, my local force, has to contend with the fourth highest crime rate in the country, but has lost 500 officers due to cuts. My constituents have asked me to come here to ask her to look again at the funding needs of Cleveland Police? Yeah, yeah. Would she do so?
1: Yeah. Prime Minister! First of all, congratulate the hon. Gentleman, who I understand was another of the uh, London Marathon runners on, uh, on Sunday. Um, we ha- we are, putting, are making more money available to local police forces. As I say, around the country there are a number of police and crime commissioners who are recruiting more police officers. But the issue of dealing with crime and of dealing with that antisocial behaviour is not just about policing. It is about what we do, uh, how we ensure that we turn young people away from that behaviour and away from violence. And that is about a wider range of activities. It's why I held, together with the Home Secretary and other Secretaries of State, the Summit on uh, Serious Violence and Knife Crime uh, last month, bringing people from all organisations, from community organisations, from charities, as well as police forces and others together to ensure that we can tackle this as a whole of government and a whole of society issue.
0: Charlie Elphick. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Uh, in 2017, my constituent Rebecca Cruiser tragically took her own life. Uh, she had a whole life ahead of her, but she suffered from postnatal depression. Her son will now grow up never knowing his mother. And many mothers returning to work uh, suffer mental health challenges while seeking to juggle the demands of work uh, and parenting. Today is a World Maternal Mental Health Day. Does the Prime Minister agree that we need to do more to support the mental health of parents and mothers returning to work? And will she back Rebecca's family's campaign for more specialist mother and baby mental health care units in Kent and across the country as a whole? Prime Minister.
1: Well, can I first of all thank my honourable friend for raising a very important issue? And, and secondly, send our condolences uh, to the family of the, his constituent, uh, particularly that young son who will be growing up without his mother. Uh, It is, it is. This issue of postnatal depression, that issue of people returning to work as well, and balancing those uh, childcare and work responsibilities is an important one. Um, we are looking at uh, a new returners programme to help those who are returning into the workplace. I know my honourable friend, the minister responsible for uh, mental health, is also doing some very good work, looking at this whole question of mental health provision, particularly for uh, mothers, uh, young mothers, uh, mothers with uh, with young babies. Uh, this is an area. It's right, for my honourable friend, to have raised it. It is one that. Goes Government is looking at in a number of ways, and uh, we will aim to ensure that nobody else suffers in the way that his constituent and her family did.
0: Deirdre Brock. Yay,
1: The Prime Minister will not be surprised to learn I would like her to finally spill the beans on Cambridge Analytica and Aggregate IQ visiting Downing Street. For more than a year now, I have been asking why these shadowy organisations were invited into the heart of her government, and she has been refusing to answer. When I write to her, a junior minister responds and says there is nothing to reveal, most recently saying no meetings took place. But I now have a written answer from the FCO saying ministers and officials had a series of meetings with Cambridge Analytica. Will the Prime Minister finally come clean? Which of her ministers, special advisers, and officials have met AIQ or Cambridge Analytica? Where and when did those meetings take place, and what was the purpose of them? Yeah. 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 Minister, Senator honourable lady, she has consistently stood up and asked me about uh, about meetings that took place in Number 10, and she has had answers about meetings that took place in Number 10. My honourable friend, the Minister for the Constitution, has written to the honourable lady about this. We routinely publish information about ministers and senior officials' meetings with external organisation. The correct information has been published in the transparency returns for my meetings. Uh, But the Honourable Lady might also like to know that actually the UK Government does publish far more transparency data than the Scottish Ah! Government. David T.C. David! (laughs) Mr Mr. Speaker, I have told the
2: Financial Conduct Authority that one of the companies on their approved register owes millions of pounds, including money to the FCA itself. In light of the collapse of another FCA-approved company a few weeks ago, leaving thousands without their life savings, will she find out what exactly the Financial Conduct Authority actually do to regulate the companies on their approved register?
1: Prime Minister can I, can I say to my honourable friend I'm sure he, he I mean he raises obviously an important issue and I'm very happy to write to him with more detail in relation to the actions that are taken take place by the Financial Conduct Authority as they look at those companies on their uh, approved list and I think perhaps it would be more helpful for him if I was able to give him a more detailed reply in writing Marion Fellow yeah. Thank you Mr Speaker and may I be lucky enough to be one of the 27% who get their question answered by this Prime Minister yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, payday loans disproportionately affect the vulnerable and the Motherwell Postcode has the largest payday loans per head in Scotland. As this government's universal credit system is forcing people to turn to these high interest lenders, will the Prime Minister halt the rollout of universal credit and take action on these vultures in these companies who prey? On the most desperate in our society. Yeah. Yeah. Well, can I say to Minister... the Minister that uh, the the issue of universal credit, it, it, this Government has changed the way universal credit operates as you have been rolling it out. We have ensured that somebody moving on to universal credit can get 100% advance payment where that, is, where that is necessary for them. But could I also remind the Honourable Lady that the Scottish Government actually now has extra powers in relation to welfare, which so far they have been reluctant to use.
0: Ed Vasey. Mr Speaker, may I thank you for asking Fitzwarren School from my constituency to Parliament today. It is an excellent school with excellent pupils and outstanding teachers. Will the Prime Minister join with me in congratulating the Education Secretary for allocating £6 billion to high-need schools, an increase of £142 million on the year before? Will she continue to relentlessly focus on the needs
2: of schools like these, particularly in rural areas, and the need for more sixth-form places in high need schools. Well,
1: can I can I join my, to join my honourable friend in congratulating the education secretary for the action that he is taking, uh, for the attention he is giving in ensuring that that funding is available to across the school sector, but also ensuring that those schools where there are particular needs are able to be supported and supported properly, and recognising, uh, as we have done, the particular needs of schools in in uh, in rural areas.
0: Mr. Jim Cunningham, very much, Mr. Speaker. During the general election, the Prime Minister gave a manifesto commitment to retain free
1: TV licences and bus passes. Does she still stand by them? Prime Minister. that We do stand by the uh, commitments that we made. Of course, we are changing the arrangements for the TV licences. That is going to the BBC, but there there is no reason why the BBC, with the money available to it, is not able to continue that.
0: Dame Cheryl Gillan.
1: Will the Prime Minister welcome the first ever training session being held in the House of Commons today on understanding autism, for which 59 colleagues have signed up, Mr Speaker. Each of us has around a 1,000 people in our constituency uh, that are on the autistic spectrum, and therefore it is vital that members of parliament understand what life can be like for people with autism and that they can provide their constituents with even better services with that understanding. Yes. Yeah. Well, can I thank Minister for raising this? Uh, she has raised this issue with me in the past when I think I. Uh, welcomed the suggestion for having these courses available to members of Parliament. I think it is very important. I congratulate those 59 members who have signed up for the course today. It is important that we are all able to provide that support and understand rather better for those who come to our uh, surgeries and who we meet in our constituencies the challenges that they face.
0: Mr Stephen Hepburn.
1: Will the Prime Minister commit herself here and now to fly the flag
0: and to build the three Royal Navy supply ships in British
2: yards, including the Tain, by reversing an unpatriotic decision
1: to put this out to international tender. Prime Minister I say to the hon. Gentleman, as he knows, actually we have taken shipbuilding in the United Kingdom incredibly seriously uh, by publishing a shipbuilding strategy which is aimed to ensure that we can enhance the capabilities of shipbuilding yards around the the country. Individual decisions are taken in relation to Royal Navy ships, but what is important is that we have an overall strategy that is encouraging shipbuilding around the country.
0: Pauline Latham
1: Woodcock
2: started the Dying to Work campaign to create uh, safety for people who have given a, a terminal diagnosis in their place of work. This week we reached over a million employees who are covered by the voluntary charter. Isn't it time now that the government took this on and filled, closed up a anomaly in the law?
1: I thank my hon. Friend for raising this issue and for championing this campaign. I know that she's met Ministers to discuss this, and I think we all agree that it is important that a terminally ill person should not have uh, worries about their job. That is why the Dying to Work Charter is so important and such a good example of supporting terminally ill workers. I am very pleased to hear that it has now reached the the million uh, mark in terms of the number of employees. Employers are making commitments to their employees by signing that charter, and uh, that they will not be dismissed, uh, they will, and their family's financial security will not be put at risk. I will ask the Minister to write to her about the aspect of the Disabilities Act and, and introducing, uh, looking at this in relation to legislation.
0: And Theresa Pearce.
1: Thank you, Mr Speaker. In March 2014, my constituent, Jadvinder Singh Vogel, went on holiday to Dubai and never came home. He was arrested, made to sign a confession in Arabic, convicted of possession of cocaine despite no drugs being found on him and no evidence of drugs, and is serving 25 years in a Dubai jail. We applied under the prisoner transfer agreement for him to serve his sentence in the UK so his elderly frail mother could see her only son. This was refused, as it appears all other applications have been refused since the PTA was signed by the UAE in 2003. 13. So I ask the Prime Minister is that PTA agreement worth the paper it's written on? Prime Minister. Can I, can I say to the honourable lady. Obviously I recognise her concern about the case that she has raised. I will ask uh, ministers in the Ministry of Justice and the Foreign Office to look at this issue and to uh, uh, come back to her on the particular case that she has raised. We do expect when we have uh, these PTAs signed that we are able to ensure that they act, uh, that they do the job that they are intended to do in enabling those prisoner transfers. But I'll ask that the relevant minister writes to her on this specific case that she's raised.
2: Tom Tugendhat. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, uh, apart from an extraordinary leak which I won't go into, the decision that has been discussed in many parts of the world at the moment is the possibility that we will be nesting a dragon in the critical national infrastructure of the UK by allowing Huawei to build the cyber network that will power 5G. This decision... Is frankly extraordinary given the advice of the National Security Agency of the United States and the Australian Signals Directorate. Could the Prime Minister perhaps explain why she feels ignoring two of our closest intelligence allies and putting in danger a 70 year intelligence sharing relationship that has underpinned the security of the UK is worth it for Chinese commercial gain?
1: Prime Minister! My Honourable friend, that we are committed to taking decisions uh, supported by a hard headed, technically informed assessment of the risk. We do discuss very closely with our allies' security issues. Um, We have uh, put in place a review of the 5G supply chain to ensure that we have a secure and resilient rollout of 5G, and the decisions of that review will be announced in due course. The priorities that we have in relation to the future of telecommunications are stronger cybersecurity practices, greater resilience in telecoms networks, (laughs) and diversity in the market, and that drives our thinking.
0: So Mark Hendrick.
1: Mr Speaker, three weeks ago in this chamber,
2: I informed the Prime Minister that nearly 8,000 children in Preston are living in poverty, a significant part of which is due to the rollout of Universal Credit last year. In her response, the Prime Minister used the hackneyed phrase that families where both parents are in work are five times less likely to be in poverty. That isn't an answer, Mr Speaker. It's a misleading statistic. Both parents working isn't a guarantee that they won't be living in poverty because of low pay. What if only one parent is working, or what if the, uh, it is a one-parent family? She knows that Universal Credit is not working for thousands of people in my constituency and millions of people up and down the country. Yeah. I believe the truth is, Mr Speaker, she doesn't care. Yeah.
1: Prime Minister. To the honourable gentleman. That the Reference I made to the number of children, the impact of uh, children living in a household where both parents are working on poverty is a correct one. That is a, a fact. Uh, what What is also the case is that there are more people now receiving the full benefit to which they are entitled as a result of universal credit being introduced. We see disabled people people in the household actually having access to more funding as a result of uh, of universal credit. And universal credit is ensuring that people not only get encouraged into the workplace, but when they are in the workplace they are able to keep more of the money that they earn. This is in direct contrast to a legacy system from Labour that meant that over a million people – 1.4 million People were left on benefits for nearly a decade.
2: Johnny Mercer. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Speaker. On the way up here this week, I received a telephone call from uh, Dennis Hutchins. Dennis is 77 years old, he lives near Plymouth, and he's just been charged with attempted murder from an incident in Northern Ireland 42 years ago. Dennis Hutchins is not alone. You have Soldier B, you have Soldier F, uh, and what is happening is directly in contradiction to what the Prime Minister herself personally promised on our conference stage two years ago. Could she inform people like Dennis exactly what she has done and what she is doing to end this process that is abhorrent to so many people in this country? Yeah.
0: Order, can I just say, uh, I absolutely respect the sincerity and public spiritedness of the honourable gentleman, but in general terms it is not desirable to refer to judice cases and therefore I know the Prime Minister will want to take into account that consideration in her response. But the Honourable Gentleman has said what he said, and the Prime Minister will say what she wants to say. The Prime Minister.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Mr Speaker. And can I say to my Honourable Friend that we have been clear that the current system for dealing with the legacy of Northern Ireland's past isn't working well for anyone. As I've said before in this uh, in this House, around 3,500 people were killed in the Troubles. The vast majority were murdered by terrorists. Many of these cases in- require further investigation, including the deaths of hundreds of members of the security forces. Um, but the system to investigate the past does need to change to provide better outcomes that's better outcomes for victims and survivors of the troubles but also to ensure that our armed forces and police officers are not unfairly treated that's why across government we're continuing to work on proposals on how best to move forward but the MOD are also looking at the wider issue of what more can be done to ensure service personnel aren't unfairly pursued through the courts in relation to service overseas including considering legislation
0: David lindon yeah. yeah. Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. Um, Frustratingly,
2: this is now the third uh, PMQs in which I've raised the plight of fellow parents of premature and sick babies. The last time the Prime Minister told the House that the government was undertaking a short, focused internal review of provision for parents of premature, sick and multiple babies to obtain an understanding of the barriers to participating in the labour market... So when
0: will the government publish the findings of that review and finally take action for us? Uh,
1: first of all, can I congratulate the Honourable Member? Because I understand he was another of the uh, members who ran the marathon on uh, on Sunday. Uh, and uh, I understand he did it in support of Glasgow Girls Football Club and raised money for, uh, for that very good cause. Uh, officials in Bays are undertaking a short, focused internal review of provisions for parents of premature sick and multiple babies. They're looking, they are looking at the issues the Honourable Gentleman raised at returning to work, the barriers to retaining to work and staying in work that some parents can face. They have been working with organisations such as Bliss, The Smallest Things and Tamber to better understand the issues for parents. And I am sure that a Minister will be happy to meet the Honourable Gentleman in due course when these conclusions are reached.
0: Jeremy LaFroy. Thank you, thank you very much, uh, Mr Speaker. Nazanin zagari Ratcliffe has now been in prison in Tehran for more than three years, deprived of the presence of her family. Would the Prime Minister join with me in assuring her and all those who are unjustly imprisoned overseas, as the Honourable Member mentioned earlier, that they are not forgotten in this House? And would she update the House on what measures are being taken To ensure that Nazanin can come home as soon as possible, and in the meantime get the treatment, medical treatment she so desperately needs. Prime
1: Minister, or give the uh, general reassurance that my honourable friend uh, asked for—that these cases are not forgotten, that they continue to be worked on by ministers and officials. Uh, uh, Her case and others in relation to Iran, uh, I raise whenever I see uh, uh, President Rouhani. I raise these issues. The Foreign Secretary raises them with his opposite numbers, we are constantly uh, raising these issues, but we are also ensuring that uh, in terms of Uh, our our presence in Iran, that they are working with the Iranian authorities as far as possible to ensure that the necessary medical assistance is provided to Nazanin and, indeed, that others are supported in the way that they need to be. But I can assure my hon. Friend that these cases are not forgotten. We continue to work on them and and continue to raise them regularly with the Iranian authorities. Liz
0: Yeah. I know that the
1: Prime Minister understands the importance of women attending their cervical smear tests, and I am sure that she 's aware that because of a recent public health campaign that our cervical smear laboratories are overwhelmed so I wonder if she would care to comment on the recent tendering process for cytology services in England, which will see the number of laboratories reduced from forty six to nine. Wow! Can I, can I say to the honourable lady um, that the, the the question is what capability will be there, what capacity will be there for the cases to be properly dealt with? Uh, and the the uh, Department for Health and Social Care and those who are undertaking this are well aware of the requirement in terms of numbers. Like her, I welcome the fact that there has been that public health campaign on cervical smears. I think this is incre- very important. I want to see more women actually. Going to uh, have those smears because that is something that can save their lives. Lady Through! It's a speaker. Yeah! Speaker. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, after lady chasing a Champions League spot, yeah, Elderson yeah, yeah. Town is now celebrating their promotion to the Evo Stick Division 1 East. Yeah. Yeah. Would my right hand friend outline what the government is doing to support grassroots football as it is so vital to our communities? And will she join me in congratulating the Robins and wish them every success for next season? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Hello, Prime Minister. I I
1: say to my honourable friend, first of all, I congratulate uh, Ilkston Town. I believe they have been, as she says, they've been promoted, Uh, and I wish them all the very best, the Robins, all the very best for the next season. This is a very good example of grassroots football and how that can have a benefit to local communities. And it is important that we are putting more money in. Over four years, almost 100 million of public money is being used to help build and upgrade artificial and grass pitches, encourage greater participation and enhance coaching uh, programmes. and That includes creating new and improving existing community football facilities through the Football Foundation. We are committed to playing our part in improving and strengthening grassroots football in this country, and uh, and the Robins are playing their part in showing the benefit that it has in their local community.
2: Does the Prime Minister accept that the growing warnings about a climate emergency require a fresh approach to highly polluting but rapidly growing sectors like aviation, and in particular should not the control of carbon emissions and air quality take precedence over the expansion ambitions of the
0: commercial owners of Heathrow? (laughs)
1: Prime Minister, right, gentlemen. of course, we take the issues around emissions and around climate change generally incredibly seriously. We have consistently said that climate change is one of the greatest challenges that the world yeah. is facing. Yeah. That is why I am proud of the record that this Government has in dealing with, yeah. uh, with climate change, uh, in seeing that we have uh, since 2010 been decarbonising our economy faster than any other G20 economy. We are at the leading edge of industrialised nations in dealing with these issues, and we will continue to do so. Yeah.
0: Sir David Amos.
1: my right honourable friend, join me in congratulating yes. the Music Man Project yes. for
2: people with learning difficulties yeah, yeah. for their triumphant performance at the Albert Hall, yeah, yeah. with the news that they will now go to Broadway. And I'm glad that a number of colleagues were present there.
1: So, isn't this yet another reason why Southend <laughs> should become a city?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Prime Minister.
1: First of all, I'm very happy to join my honourable friend in congratulating uh, the performance of the Music Man project and wishing them all the best on their trip to Broadway. Um, uh, opportunities like this are very important for musicians with disabilities, and they are, uh, I think, they are paving the way in showing the excellent work that can be done and the enjoyment and excitement that those musicians can, uh, can get through those performances. Um, and can I say to my honourable friend, I don't think he's asked me a single question in this House which hasn't asked about South. And becoming a city. So I welcome, I welcome. <laughs> I think we might need more than B&Q in order to be able to, uh, if my honourable friend will get the uh, reference. Um, uh, He has been campaigning resolutely, and I'm sure he will diligently continue to do so on behalf of his constituency. Anna Johnson. Mr Speaker, yesterday saw the first harrowing testimonies of those who'd been infected by the infected uh, NHS uh, blood scandal. Since the Prime Minister announced the public inquiry in July 2017, One victim has died every four days. Delay is not acceptable. In the Republic of Ireland, they accepted that it was known that there were risks. And in the 1990s, they (coughs) paid full compensation. Why can we not do the same in the United Kingdom? Yeah. 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 Prime Minister, Can I commend the honourable lady for the work that she has done with others in this House to ensure that that inquiry is taking place. It is, of course, an independent inquiry. We are ensuring that the inquiry is provided with all the resources that it needs, uh, that the chairman of the inquiry uh, requires and uh, identifies as being needed for that inquiry. I, I, I think it is. She is absolutely right that this is something that should have taken place earlier. This is something about which, as you said, there are those who have died since the start of the campaign to ensure that this inquiry could be held. It is important that we get to the bottom of this issue, and that's why we're ensuring that the inquiry is not only independent, but it does have the resources it needs.
0: Order.